Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. And to the angel of the church of Laodiceans, write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness. The beginning of the creation of God, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind and naked. Dropping down to verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word. Lord, I'm standing this morning on holy ground to be obedient, Lord, unto you this morning. God, help me today. Let me minister, Lord, with anointing, with fervor, Lord, yet with love. God, because we need to hear your word in this hour like we've never heard it before. Awaken our ears this morning and our minds to receive. I need a special anointing upon my lips of clay this morning, Lord, and upon my thoughts to speak forth, God, the praises of the God that's brought me out. Oh, Lord, into this marvelous light. I pray it right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And you can be seated. Thank you. Also this morning and today, all day long, if you would just kind of remember uh, Sister Shauna Wood and their family today. And the loss of her mother, they'll be showing her uh, down in Kentucky. And, and so let's, uh, let's pray for her. I know she desires our prayers. So let's pray that God would give her comfort in this time. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I know what it was when I lost my mother. and So let's pray for Sister Sean and be with her today. Praise the Lord. I want to minister on this subject this morning. The deciding place. The deciding place. Amen. You're going to have to not depend on the media this morning. Uh, you know, they knew that I was old-fashioned. So they just kind of cut the media out on me. Just know it. Amen. There was a shortage of help this morning, so yeah, it no big deal for me. I'm, uh, you know, I'm old-fashioned, but I told them they better have it ready for tonight because Brother Jerry likes technology. So, so I'm, I'm not used to it, so don't bother me. I can do with it or without it. I'm, I, I preached before there was technology. And, and just, just to let you know how that I have media fasted this week, and, 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 and I went back to the books, and, and I've, I've wrote my message, and up, even what I took up there at the top, it wasn't typed out. Hey, I, I, I feel good. I just went back to the old-fashioned way. Amen. So if I can read my writing this morning, hopefully the Lord's going to bless you this morning, I hope. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. It's a beautiful day that He's made. And I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. Amen. I've went through some sleepless nights. And Sister McGee has too. When I get the morning watch, she gets the morning watch with me. I don't know, but when, whenever I get out of bed, you know, I, I don't know. I can slip out just so easy and head for my office. And when I come back to the bed about 6 or whatever time, whatever time that may be, and it usually is and 6 o'clock sometimes before I get back to bed, and I'll slip back into bed really, she'll say, how long have you been up this time? 
I wasn't able to sleep after you got up. I'm sorry, dear. Can't help it. The only thing I know is she just have to get up and study with me and pray with me. And also, amen. She is, so she goes through a lot still yet, even since I'm retarded. I mean, tarded. Amen. She still goes through a lot with me. She still uh, loses sleep, whether you know it or not. But God's been dealing with me, and I've got a message for the church this morning. I feel like that God has spoken to me individually to speak to you. Because as I lay on my bed back, I don't know, ever, ever since I preached the last time, God started dealing with me again and said, well, you're not done with this. So I'm not done with it. I'm going to preach to you some more. And I know, you think, well, boy, we're going to be all right. Said, he got up early here this morning, so we'll get out early. Don't count your chickens before they hatch, y'all. Amen. But I want to zero in this morning on verse 15 right now. I know that works that thou art neither hot nor cold, or cold or hot. I would that you were cold or hot. I want to bring the side of this. There is another side that I don't want to fail to recognize. It's the cold and the hot. There, and all of the in-betweens don't have to be a bad thing, but it can be a bad thing. And God began to deal with me to bring the rest of it. Because he said that I would that you were cold or hot. And then, uh, then I began to think about this. Amen. A, uh, you know, you're, you're dissatisfying, he said. You're, you don't have no edge on you. There, there is, you're distasteful to my mouth. And I'm going to spill you out of my mouth because you are distasteful. Man, hallelujah. In other words, he was, he was telling them that I would that you were cold or like a cold glass of tea on a hot day. So cold don't have to be bad. You, you listen to me. And he said, or I would that you were hot. Now, I don't want you to be lukewarm. I don't want... But I want you to be cold or I want you to be hot like a hot cup of hot chocolate on a cold day. Now, I know Brother Aaron did want cold chocolate milk. I don't even know whether he likes hot chocolate or not. I figure if it's chocolate, he likes it. So when it's cold, he probably wants hot chocolate. When it's hot, he wants cold chocolate. And he'll drink cold chocolate any time. I'll tell you that. He, he, yesterday morning breakfast he did. I guarantee you. Amen. So the Lord said, because you're distasteful to me. There's no edge to you. There's no feeling of hot. There's no feeling of cold. So you must be lukewarm and I'm going to spew you out. He said, you're distasteful. You're not like a cold glass of tea on a hot day. You're not like hot chocolate on a cold day but you're the in between there's no edge I don't like cold coffee now some of you ate the drink those whatever you call them at McDonald's all that junk I don't know it's junk to me but anyhow hallelujah I know y'all love it it's cold coffee you want it Sister Angie's sitting back here just you know really with her taste buds is already getting twanged just, just waiting on it this morning. Praise the Lord. Uh, let, yeah, uh-huh. Got a daughter back there too that could. Uh-huh. But, amen, let's see. I want to take you to the place of the Laodicean church age because I believe that we're in that age this morning, Brother Cox. They were, let me show you where they really were. They were in a place of saying, can I say some guilt words that we would call guilt words? Number one, they were self-centered. I don't know if anybody in this church really would like somebody that's self-centered. There's something about the self-centeredness that turns you off. The Laodiceans were at the place of these self-words. They were self-indulged. 
they, they had it all together. They were worried about themselves and nobody else. Yeah, they were taking care of the church all right. Come on now. Number three, they were self-serving. They were more to make sure that they were taken care of. Don't matter about anybody else, but we're going to take care of ourselves. And then those words, all three of those self-words would bring us to a frown. Not one of us would smile on one of those three self-words. Yet somehow God began to deal with me that there is one self-word that if we're not careful, we'll smile at. And it's called, it is a pride word, I believe, when it says self-sufficient. And that's what they were telling the Lord. They were saying, we are self-sufficient. And in a way, that sounds good. You know, you think about your children getting to the place that they're self-sufficient and you smile. Because they don't no longer have to depend on mom and dad. So I'm guaranteeing you you're smiling. They're on their own. Praise God. Woo! Hallelujah. Emptiness syndrome. No, shouting glory. Self-sufficient. Come on. You all smile at that word. Yet, when they were saying this to the Lord, he wasn't smiling. Because he said, whether you know it or not, you are not rich. But you're poor because you don't have me. Hallelujah. We don't think of self-sufficient as being a bad self-word, but it is. Come on. The Lado sins had all the stuff, Brother Terry. The comforts, they had the companions, they had the commodities, uh, but they were poor because they had lost their place for the Lord, Brother Freddie, in their life. They had not envisioned the Lord in their life. They had desired all of the things of the world. They had desired the stuff. They had desired the riches. And they made sure that they had it. They made sure that their children had it. They made sure that they had a rich church. Amen. In the common world, they were rich, but they were without God. They felt no presence of God in their midst. They walked through their doors, if you please, and they went, amen, come on. They went through a form, but it was not real without feeling, come on. Oh, without God in their life or any feeling of the Holy Ghost. Get quiet on me. This is where we're at this morning. This is where the church is at this morning. We're in the late Ocean church age. When if we're not careful, we found a place for everything else in our life but God, the one that really matters. I want you to remember that you can take nothing with you when you leave this earth. I've never seen an armored car in a funeral possession. Come on. I don't see the brinks in the funeral possession. Come on. But I'm going to tell you something. I can be rich in the Lord. And my banker may not know it, but he may too. But I'm going to tell you, there'll be something that'll show up on my face that probably won't show up on that rich man's face because he's trying to figure out how he can make more money. I'm trying to figure out how I can spend what little bit I got. Hallelujah. Come on. What, who, come on. What else can I help? What other missionary can I help? What else can, can we do? Come on. To, to help our church. Come on, church. Yet they had all of that taken care of and didn't have God in their midst. Oh, Jesus. The Lord wants to make us rich in a relationship with Him. That has access, and you better listen, that has access to all of his resources. I'm going to say it again. I want it to get in there. The Lord wants to make us rich in a relationship with him that has access 
to all his resources. I don't know about you, but I want the resources. <laughs> oh, 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 come on. If I gain the whole world and I lose my soul, what has it profited me? Come on, I haven't profited a thing. But if I seek out the things of God, if I seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, the Bible said all of these other things will be added unto me. I won't lack for nothing if I put him first. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Warren Shams said of the single word that best summarizes Americans' hopes and obsessions, it's the word more. He says, for more, hallelujah, more luxuries, more success, more gizmos. Can everybody say amen that? More gizmos. Computer world can't keep up. There's always one trying to outdo the other. Now they already say that this is going to outsell this in the coming year because it's got all this and I don't listen to half of it. I don't have half of it. Don't want half of it. Don't desire. And if you do, thank God for you. But hallelujah. I'm worried about Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm worried about the kingdom of God. Right now, that's what's on my mind. But want more gizmos and more success and more luxuries. And uh, live for more, really. Live for the next raise. Hoping it'll be bigger and better. The next car. Or the next house. Come on. Can't get enough of it. In fact, when we get married anymore, it seems like we want all the stuff that it took mom and dad 50 years to get. And they want it overnight. I want it now. I don't want to wait. I'm not going to pray about it. I'm, not going, to, I'm, going, to, I'm going to go in debt right now. I'm going to get it while I can. But you can't take it with you. Oh, hallelujah. We grew up on little. Our children grew up on little. And I don't think any of them is disfigured in their mind. Well, maybe they are in their mind a little bit. I don't know. They will live around with dad. But anyway, hallelujah. Everybody leave that alone. Hallelujah. What I want to bring this morning is and the things that we already have, however wonderful they are, fail in comparison to the things that we want and hope for. Come on, God began to speak to me. I'm, I'm going to speak a little bit. I'm going to lay a little foundation. I'm going to preach here a little bit. He said those things that all we, we already have and how, no matter how wonderful they are and how great they seem at the time, they fail in comparison to the things that we hope for. You know. I don't know if you remember Larry the Cucumber, you know, and the Veggie Tales. I'm sure that you've watched them with the grandkids, and maybe you just sat down and watched them when you was alone. You know, nobody was there, so they didn't know whether you was or not. So just figured you wanted to watch Larry the Cucumber. And, you know, so. But I remember that he had a Jeep, had this year Jeep, and Oh, he just pearled, pulled up in that Jeep, and it was such a wonderful thing. And he said, my, what is this? He said, this is a Jeep. He said, man, are you just pleased with this? He said, well, I don't know. There's the camper, and I forget what all. There was all kinds of things to go with that Jeep. And if we're not careful, we get caught up in the things that we can have. Have you ever noticed the children, you know, you, you get them and you pay big prices for all these toys at Christmas time. And, and they drag out, you know, you drag out these toys and think, man, this will, this will be all right. And in 10 minutes, they throw them aside and they're climbing in the boxes that they come in. And they're having more fun out of the boxes. Come on, the toys. I'm telling you, church, that ought to teach us apostolic something. That it's not in what you receive in the natural, but it's what you receive from God. It's how rich I am in the Holy Ghost and in the power of His might that matters. Glory. A story is told. A lady who has inherited a massive estate had this to say. She said, I wish I could have had those days back when getting a mug for a Christmas would please and satisfy me. 
she remarked that there was a certain wonder and pleasure to find joy and satisfaction in small things. That's after she received the inheritance. What she had really forgotten, though, was that even of those things of us who find pleasure in a new mug soon find that it is too, it too becomes a commonplace. That it is that ever-present craving. There is an ever-present craving for all that is more, bigger, and better. Is that ever true? No, I'm, I'm, I'm laying a foundation. and Maybe it's too lengthy for you. I don't know. But I, I got to put it like I feel it. Y'all remember you watch and probably maybe still do the Ingalls. You know, Little House on the Prairie. Good, clean show. I remember, and it stands out in my mind, and we watch it every Christmas. The, the, the Christmas at Plum Creek. I don't know whether you remember that story or not, that Mr. Ingalls, uh, he, he, he comes across the creek, and he's froze to death. It's, he barely makes it across, and, and, or... or, or, or uh, now, what Mr. Ingalls, Mr. Edwards, I mean, he makes it across the creek and he's headed to the Ingalls. Uh, he's, he's got Christmas presents to bear the children and mama. And, and so he comes across, and I remember that he, he tells them to close their eyes and he puts something in their hand and they, they open it and it's a brand new little cup. They both got, each one got their own cup. And man, them kids are just tickled to death that they got a cup. Amen. And then he pulls out the thing that really makes them smile. He, he, a candy cane for each one of them. Man, the smile comes across their face, and this is the best Christmas that ever was. And then he digs in that sack a little deeper, and, 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 and Sister Linda, he starts pulling out sweet potatoes, and he pulls out about five sweet potatoes, and he gives them to Mama, and her face lights up, and she said, Oh, my, this is just so great to have, be able to have sweet potatoes uh, to go with our turkey. This is just, oh, this is, I can't remember when it's been such great to Christmas, come on. And we would all say, take it back to the store. It's not good enough. There's no gizmos. Come on. Come on. They're, 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 you're, not, you're, you're way behind times. I need something better. And I'm going to tell you, and I, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. We're not careful in the church. We, we are so used to feeling the presence of God. Over the last 20-some years that I have pastored and been a part of this church, Brother Freddie, one thing that I can always remember is coming through the doors and feeling the presence of God and knowing He was here. Come on. And then we've been blessed with His presence. We've been blessed to see God move in our midst. We've seen miracles. We've seen signs and wonders. We've seen people healed. Come on. We've seen them healed on a Tuesday night prayer meeting. Come on. Of cirrhosis of the liver. Amen. We've seen God do great work. People taken to the emergency room. Going to have the appendix removed. And, and, and lo and behold, go back home. Because God had already done the work. Because a prayer band was called. And people began to pray. And we've seen God move. Even this weekend, we've seen God do wonders. Hallelujah. Because of prayer. And our relationship with God. God. It wasn't gizmos. It was real low, good prayer meeting. But if we're not careful, we've got to the place. We've got media. We've got a nice building. We've got good musicians. We've got good singers. And I'm sorry. But if we're not careful, we get used to all of that and we sit back on our pews, Brother Terry, and say, give us something more. Is that all you got? I want something more. Can't you bring us in more of the presence of God of this? Come on. The, it's not the presence of God that we're lacking. It's a lacking of feeling for it. The Bible said to feel after him. If happily, you might find him. It's not the presence of God that we're lacking. It's the feeling for the presence of God. It's our relationship that's lacking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now if I, let me start ministering. 
Let's look at the progression in life from cold to hot. I put it in the chair form this morning so it's easy for you to understand. I want you kindergartens to even be able to pick up on it. So I put it in simple form this morning. The real truth is, is I'm a good kindergarten teacher, so I put it in a form that I understand. Amen. I want to use this morning something that you're familiar with and heard this story from a child up. I want to use the Israelites first in their journey from Egypt to Canaan. I'm going to tell you now, I taught that you were not to be hot or cold. You know, I would that you were hot or cold, but he said you're not hot or you're not cold. So uh, let, me, let, me, let me tell you, there is a reason I put these chairs this way. Because if I'm going to move to my first chair, then it's on my right. I don't want to move left. So now you know which chair you want to be sitting in. Now, I'm going to caution you this morning that I don't, I'm not sure that everybody's in that first chair. Oh, glory. I wish I could say you was. But I want to talk about the Israelites this morning. The chair. Amen. The first chair. Hallelujah. Is the first chair is the one to your right of the middle. Let me go back to the third chair and let me take you to the Israelite story. The third chair represents the Israelites in their years of slavery when they were taskmasters to somebody else. They had never experienced salvation. They worshipped the gods of the Egyptians. They were slaves to another master, if I can say in this chair, there is no relationship with God. I know, I'm getting really serious now. In that third chair, there is no relationship with God. In fact, it is quite the opposite that all of your relationship is with the enemy. You're broke off from God. Keep in mind, cold, lukewarm, and hot. Cold, lukewarm, and hot. Understand when God's speaking in our text, He is talking to the church, not sinners. He is talking to people that have relationship just like we have a relationship with God in this church. When we first received the Holy Ghost, what a relationship that was. Nobody will ever forget that night. It was such a special night in your life that you can't forget that. The Holy Ghost is something that you cannot explain to somebody of how you feel when you get it because it is an exuberant feeling that takes you out of this world into another world and you cannot explain that. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No relationship with God here. Hallelujah. He's talking to the church in our text. They have experienced. I said they have. They have experienced the relationship with God. I'm going to tell you, you that are in here this morning, many of you have repented, been baptized in Jesus' name, received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Let me make something clear right here. Once you have had a relationship with God, it don't matter which chair you are in. There is more expected of you because of what you know. Come on. You can say, I didn't know, but the truth is you know more than you're living. No matter which chair you're in, once you slip out of the first chair... You are not where you ought to be. You're a backslider, but you're the most miserable person that ever lived. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. God's plan for your life is for you to move from the third chair where there is no relationship with God to the second chair 
where there is salvation, but a lot of baggage. Come on. And then into the first chair quickly where the baggage is thrown out. Now understand, you understand what I said. It is God's plan for your life that you move from the third chair to the the second chair. The second chair is not a bad place if you're headed for the first chair and that's your, come on, and you've got your sight on it and, and, and not looking to turn back, but you're looking straight ahead, then the second chair is not a bad chair. It's only a place, Brother Cox, I'm just a pilgrim and a stranger, and I'm not staying here, but I'm moving on to a better land that's awaiting me. This second chair is not a bad place. I've got some baggage to get rid of, but I'm not staying here long. I'm going to get rid of my baggage, and I'm moving on to the first chair. I've got my eyes on Jesus. My back is turned to the third chair, and no relationship, and nothing with anybody. Come on, only the enemy. I'm tired of that life, and I'm headed for the first chair. Hallelujah. I'm headed for a place where there's no baggage. The second chair represents in the Israelites years of wandering in the wilderness. This group of Israelites experienced the deliverance from slavery. They experienced The power of God. Everybody said amen. But they refused to put away the gods of Egypt. They refused to put away the old ways. (laughs) Or glory. Mm. They came under the blood of the Passover. Yet we're not serving God with their whole heart. Their wondering was due to not believing and accepting the promise of God. God, they had, they had seen the miracles. They had seen God do great things. He had seen water come out of a rock. Come on. They had seen a lost axe. And throw the stick in and the axe head come to the top. They'd seen it swim. What a great story. Come on. They'd seen the Red Sea opened up. And walk across on dry ground. And watch as Pharaoh's army was covered with that same water. The dry ground they walked through became a sea again. And took the, their enemies away. They had watched that God had led them. Oh Glory. By a pillow of fire by day. Come on. Or a pillow of fire by night. And a cloud through the day. They had seen the deliverance. They had seen the miraculous. Yet in their serving God. They refused to walk like God wanted them to walk. This is where I am really careful this morning. Many people who move from the third chair to the second chair. Get stuck there. It's not a bad place to be, Brother Freddie, if we're just figuring on, just staying there long enough to get rid of our baggage. Come on, if, I, if all I need to do there is to get rid of my baggage, then I don't plan on staying long, but there's people that move to the second chair from the third chair that get stuck in the second chair and they sink, can't seem to get out of it. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. They get stuck there. They stay too long. Come on. How many's ever stayed too long in the second chair where you're at and you get caught up again in the things of the past because those things in the second chair, let me tell you, they will visit you again unless you move on to the first chair. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They stayed too long just as the Israelites did in the desert wondering. They didn't have to stay there that long. Brother Daniel, it was not God's will. His purpose was for them to go ahead and inherit the promised land. But what they seen was giants. 
12 spies sent out. And there was only two out of 12 that brought, brought back a good report. Joshua and Caleb. The rest of them seen giants. And they were grasshoppers. Come on. They didn't see the miracle working power of God. Come on. They didn't see how that God had opened up a Red Sea. They would forgot all about all of these wondrous things that God had done for them. And all they could see was bad. All they could see was being whipped by the enemy. Come on, church. I'm afraid in our relationship with God, many times we've got stuck in the chair, second chair, and all we can see is all the bad things uh, that has happened to us. We cannot even reminisce all of the good things in life that God has furnished us. Come on. We, we, we have forgot the desert wanderings when God opened up the Red Sea. Come on. And when the axe swam and, and all of those good things when he brought water out of the rock. In fact, if I could tell you, the water followed them all the way through the wilderness. They were never without water. They forgot about the manna. In the second year is where you forget Start reminiscing how things were so great in the third chair. Or, or worse, what happens is people that move to the second chair, they move quickly to the first chair from the second chair, and then slip back into the second chair. It's a dangerous place. Maybe we'll never get those people back. Good possibility. The first chair represents the years of abundance for the children of Israel. This is the group of Israelites that inherit the promised land that their fathers had refused. So the Lord lets a whole generation die off and all that's left, he said, 20 years and them from 20 years up is going to live and those down is all going to die. I'm going to let them wither away out here in the wilderness. And your children's going to inherit your promise. I want my children to inherit my promise. But I don't want just them inherit it. I want to inherit it myself. I want to... I want it to be my inheritance. I want to give them something that I know something about. Oh, glory. The kids of those who died in the wilderness is the ones that now sat in the first chair. Those that their fathers had been unbelievers. They couldn't believe what God could do. This generation that are now in the first chair, I want to caution you. They believed in God. But their faith was not original. Hang on. I said they believed in God. But their faith was not original, Sister Angie. They believed in God because they'd heard all the stories of mom and dad. And they'd heard of all the wonderful things that God had done. They had heard of the man. Come on. They have heard, amen, of how God fed them and how God watered them and how He brought them out of Egypt. They had heard all the stories. It had been reminisced in their ears. And the only reason they're sitting in the first chair is because mom and daddy had passed on something to them that they grabbed a hold of and they began to believe in even though they had never originally witnessed it themselves. I worry. I worry. I worry about a generation growing up right now that all oh, they've got to grab a hold of the stories they've been told. They haven't seen none of it. Not witnessed themselves. I'm worried, church. I'm worried about where we're at and what we're doing. Hallelujah. They had not personally dealt with God. 
They had relied on the faith in God because of the stories their parents had told them. Now I'm, I'm, I want you to notice something. And God began to open my eyes in the wee hours of the morning and speak to me. And I began to see the late Ocean church age in our age. And the very things that I'm talking about this morning I see in our church. And I see in the church in general, if I can speak it that way. I, I, I began to worry because notice this generation that sat in the first chair now, they have received the promise, Brother Cox. And they, that generation served the Lord as long as there was a leader. I began to work on me, church. I'm, I'm trying, I'm being slow and I'm probably preaching different than I normally would, but I want you to catch that God is looking to a church, amen, that has leadership, and we're blessed to have good leadership. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about the man that's not here, the pastor of this church. We are blessed to have good leadership, that his ministry is known all over, and anybody that's ever heard him preach wants him back. He's He's blessed, amen, not because he's my son, but he's blessed of the Lord, amen, and uh, I'm glad that I had something to pass on to him, and I'm glad that he grabbed it and he didn't stay in the second chair, but moved to the first chair, amen, I'm glad for that, but I want to caution us that the leadership, amen, if you lose your leader, we could fail. I know I'm going to go back. I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm going to prove to you scripturally. And don't depend on that, y'all. You know that. You're going to have to get your Bible out now. Judges 2. And I'm going to read verse 7 through 11. Judges chapter 2, verse 7 through 11. And the people served the Lord all the days of their elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the works of the Lord, who had seen, everybody said seen, that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old, and they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnatharis, in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose, listen, another generation after them. Which knew not the Lord, neither the works which he had done for Israel. Now notice verse 11. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baal. Now allow me to go to Romans 10 and verse number 14 and read there for you. Romans 10 and verse number 14. If I could read. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? I'm sorry, I have heard people make the statement that I can live it at home. I'll have my sanctuary at home. Yet, the Bible, you've followed me this morning, the Bible declares that with, when the leader died, that Israel went in their own ways. Come on. They did. Come on. They fell away from God. Come on. They, they, they fastly dropped back, amen, to the third chair. So we need a preacher, church. We must have a preacher. You cannot live this thing at home. This first chair is the godly chair, if I can say it. Those who sit here remain close to him. This is the place where you are devoted to God. Come on. <laughs> Those who sit here trust in the Lord. And their lives are firmly in his hand. I said in his hand. 
I can't depend on myself in this chair. I am fully trusted and dedicated upon God because I cannot make it myself in the first chair. It's only by the hand of God that I can make it. The first chair is a place that if you're not careful, you can receive pride. Things seem to be going so well, and you think, I've got this thing all figured out, buddy. I can coast. No, sir, you can't coast. You've got to act as if there's another chair to get to. And there is. But it's not down here. Come on. <laughs> I'm striving down here in the first chair. But we cannot even number that chair up there. It's a number that no man can number. Come on. It's where miracles and signs and wonders are even of the past for there is no sickness. There is no sorrow. Come on. It's a place of everlasting joy. Come on. No more sickness. No more pain. It's the land of no more. We live for more down here, but I'm living for no more. I said that we live for more down here, but I'm living for the land of no more. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more money. I don't have to worry about it. My God's got in control. It's everlasting peace and joy within. And you want to miss that? This is the deciding place. Chair number two. That's your deciding place. Am I going to move on? Am I going to stay here? Or am I going to fall back? Oh, Jesus. Man, I got to have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. See, the ones who sit in that first chair have a real relationship with God. And they live their lives pleasing to Him. They're not trying to please themselves or nobody else. They're trying to please Him. And that's a hard place to be. You ought to stand up here, and I've been here for a lot of years. You ought to stand up here and try to be pastor and stay in that spot. People want you to give and to bend. I'm sorry, I can't bend. Come on. There is no flexibility in me because I'm headed... Whether you know it or not, I'm headed. Come on. I'm not interested in the second chair, in the place of deciding. I've done decided. I'm not sitting right here. Honey, I'm not living in this world. Go through the tribulations if you want to. He's carrying me out of here. I, yeah. Oh, just call me gone, honey. I'm not worried about the tribulation. Oh, come on, church. I've got a God that's taken me through. I'm looking for the open door. Beyond the open door. Oh, Jesus. Word of caution. The second chair is the deciding chair. I'm going to draw this out. I want you to understand it. I don't want you to get lost. It's a deciding chair. It's the chair that once you've sat in the first chair, even momentarily, you're too churchy for the world. And you're too worldly for the church. You're, you don't fit. You don't fit either place. You're miserable. You know what it is to serve God. You know what the blessings of God are. That's why you can't witness to a backslider. You just got to pray for them. They know. They've witnessed. They've heard. They've lived. You're miserable. There is a, if I can even say it, a spiritual battle going on here. 
If you're not careful, you know more in the second chair than you are living. The more you know, the more is expected of you. You can say, I didn't know, but you did. I'm worried about this second chair. I'm worried that there are some people sitting there that knows a lot more than what they're doing. It's the deciding chair. It's where you decide if you're moving on up or if you're tired of fighting the battle and just going to move on back. And all I can think about in the third chair. So, well, what's so bad about that, Pastor? A third chair, there's no place else to go. Oh, yeah. All that's awaiting the third chair is hell. Second chair is where you're deciding which way you're going to go. But it don't have to be. So the second chair is just a place that I'm settled just for a little bit until I can get rid of my baggage. If I can get rid of the quirks in my life. Come on. If I can get my conversation right, my thoughts right. If I can, if I can Brother Pat, get the place I can pray and seek God. Be filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in His name. This is the place that I get rid of all the baggage. It's not a bad place. Second chair is not a bad place if you've got your eyes on the first chair. In fact, when you sit in the second chair, it'd be kind of best if you just keep your eyes. For the child that's headed in the right direction. You better just turn your chair. You don't want to be turned like them. You'll be watching them if you do. If I'm in the second chair, Brother Terry, and my heart is right toward God, then I'm going to turn my chair around so I won't look back to the world. Come on. Mm, glory. Hallelujah. A runner never turns around to look, see who's behind him. Because if he does, he loses ground. Come on. He'll lose steps and his speed is gone. His stride is lost if he looks back to where he's been. So church, I must keep my eyes on the first chair because that's where I'm aiming to light the next time. It's the first chair. Come on. I'm going to a place of relationship with God. Where prayers are answered, come on. Where miracles and signs and wonders take place. Where my family is saved and delivered out of the hands of the enemy. I'm not looking back to where I was. And when I get in the first chair, I don't want to look back to the second chair where I've come from. Well, you, you know, I, I, and I've, I'm, I'm, I'm going to relate this. I know there's probably some people saying, yeah, but Brother McGee, it's good sometimes to see where we come from. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right for me to think about. But I don't need to look back. Yeah, 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 but, 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 but Bishop, we need to see where the Lord brought us from. No, I don't want to look back and see, honey. Just let me contemplate how far I've come from where I was Honey, because I'm headed for a place that's so much better than this. Oh, where walls, come on, are of jasper and the streets are pure gold. That's what I'm looking for. 
That's what I've got my mind on. So in all reality, our chairs are to look like this. Because the only one that has a right to look either way is the one in the third chair. Because the only place he can go is this way. And else, if that's all he's looking for, God, let him look at this one. Hey, Lord, I'm, I'm going to preach here this morning. I'm about done, but I'm going to preach. Understand, church. Oh, I, oh, when I look at this, and I think, you know, the person that sits in this third chair, he ought to have to, to tap the one on the back in the next chair. He oughtn't to have to tap him on the shoulder, honey. He's got his back turned. Oh, he's got hell awaiting him unless he turns and heads the other direction. Oh, God, help me to make the second chair just a chair to slip in and get rid of my baggage and move on. I would that you were hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out. So the second chair is not a bad chair. If all we're looking to do is to get rid of my baggage, this is just a place to unload. Come on. Glory. Oh, Jesus. That's all right. I'll, I'll be cold. I want to be cold. That's all right. I'll be cold. I would that you were hot or cold. I, that's all right. I'll be cold. Like a cold glass of tea on a hot summer day. Yes, sir. That's me. I want to be, I want to be hot. Come on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, like a hot cup of coffee or a hot cup of hot chocolate. Whatever you like on a cold wintry day when it's freezing and blows zero out day. Yes, sir. Starbucks, here I come. And I don't want cold coffee. No, sir. Give it to me hot. Come on. My mother-in-law always said, man, this stuff's lukewarm. Warm it up the microwave. Come on, honey. If, if you're sitting in that chair, second chair and you begin, come on now. You oughtn't to be there long enough to get too lukewarm. I'm, I don't know, but I'm so close to the heat. I can feel it. Yeah. Hey, I'm breathing down the neck of the guy in the third chair. In the first chair. Not the third chair. It is hot there. Honey, I'm close to hell. I don't want that place. But I'm, I'm here where they got the air conditioning on, honey. I can feel a breeze coming my way because I'm breathing down the deck of the guy in the first chair. And if they don't watch it, I'm going to bypass him and to move on to heaven. Ah, yes. Come on, church. Come on. There's one thing that awaits that Christian, and it's no sin, no sorrow, no pain, no sickness. I'm closing. Brother Sister Mason can get ready. I've asked for a special song. This is my question to this church. This is my question to you this morning. It's kind of a two parts question, really. It's a double question. With an and between it. I want you to listen to me very closely, very intently. God began to deal with me. I can't tell you how much time spent in this message. The way I could tell you. This is my question to you as a church. You sitting under the sound of my voice this morning. What chair are you in? And how long have you been there? What chair are you in? How long have you been there? Second chair is a deciding chair. It's time to move on up. Church, I'm afraid we as the church have spent too much time in the second chair. I'm not sure our eyes are on the first chair like they should be. Some of us are there, and I'm afraid some aren't. And I'm worried about those that are there, and then I'm all really worried about those in the third chair. Because they're miserable. They know what it is there. 
and they know what it is there. This altar's open this morning. Let's just stand so it makes you easier to come to the altar. And I, I encourage you. I don't care what chair you're in. I don't care if you're in the first chair. I encourage you this morning to find you a place. Let's move on up. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.